So glad that you're here with us this morning uh, to be a part of Outward Church. I don't know if, if you've sensed it or if you've felt it in your life, but things are not the way that they should be. Like life doesn't go the way that it's supposed to go. Like every single one of us in our minds has a picture of what life should be and what it, and what it should look like and, and how we should have a sense of, of, of peace and people getting along and, and unity. And it's, it's no more real than it is right now, especially during a political season where you have uh, two different political parties. Nobody, uh, or not everybody, <laughs> really likes their, uh, their, uh, their chosen candidate, but everyone's kind of holding their nose and, and voting for this person or that person or they can't make up their minds. And really what this is about and what this political season is about is that things are not the way that it should be. And these, these political parties are, are going further and further into the extremes of their chosen area, into liberalism or conservatism. And so they're going further and further. And so what's happening is that there's, there's disunity that's growing even to, into even further disunity and fighting. There's infighting within the parties. There's infighting between families. There's infighting all over the place. And it's all because of this. Things are not the way that they should be. And every single one of us knows it. And every single one of us has an idea of what should be taking place, of what should be happening. I just uh, took the roof off my house. It's a great segue right there, right? Um, I took the roof off of my house and actually lifted it off of there. Had some help from some awesome volunteers here. Because I'm, I'm putting a new roof on there that'll have some bedrooms in there. And so I decided to do this, uh, I think it was uh, on Monday, uh, or actually started on Tuesday, and began uh, to take the roof off, and then the forecast changed. And, uh, and so I uh, got my trusses, my new, my new roof system, uh, delivered to my house and got most of that on there, but there's no roofing on there or anything, and so it's beginning to, to rain and to pour, and now my house is soaked to the bone. So the, the wood floor, a little damp right now, right? If you know anything about wood floors, that's not good. So uh, that, that's good. I'm walking through my house, and I'm thinking, this is not the way that it's supposed to be. Houses are not supposed to get wet like this. This is not the way that things are supposed to go. I was up early uh, in the morning uh, yesterday, yesterday morning, I think, putting plastic over my kitchen, trying to keep the kitchen dry, <laughs> and then water is spilling in. I'm having to poke holes in the, in the plastic and put uh, five-gallon buckets down so that it catches the water. Things are not the way that they should be. In your life, you have these things, too. Things are not the way that they should be. And I, and, I, and, I, and I wonder if you've ever thought about the fact that everybody has that sense. Everybody has that sense in life. Everybody sees life and they go, this is not the way that it should be. It should be this way. Whether you're about gun rights or gun control, or whether you're uh, about this political party or that political party, or whether you are, uh, it doesn't matter what it is. Like, you have an idea of what perfection is. And it's not being met. It's not being met. And it's not being met in such a way that it brings such incredible disunity. And so we look at our world and we, and we go, like, these, these things shouldn't be happening. Like, you know, people shouldn't be torn apart like this. this the, the stuff in Syria, the stuff in, in uh, you know, Iraq and, and all over the world where, where things are just, they're awful. 
They, those things shouldn't be happening. And people shouldn't be treated this way in, in our world. And I'm kind of getting into a little bit of what we talked about in the, uh, the book of Habakkuk. But it's all playing into this idea of all of us have this sense of this is not what should be happening. And so each of us has a different idea of how it should take place. And so we identify with a particular cause. We identify with a particular thing in our life. And we do this on large levels, like political levels, but we also do this on levels that are, that are really small when it comes to, like, what are, what are the type of people that, I, that I'm going to associate Am I going to be a CrossFit nut and be all about fitness and like always talking about it and whatever? Forgive me if you're a CrossFit nut, but we're very glad that you're fit. Thank you for doing your workout. All right, that's, there you go, there you go. Or, or maybe you're somebody who's about education. And so you're like, I'm, I go to this school and I, and I do these things and, and these people went to that school and, and, and so this, this is a great school. Or maybe you're somebody who's just about, man, I am I'm making money. And so each one of us says that life is not the way that it should be and yet here is the way that I'm going to make it right. So every single one of us has an idea that the world is not the way that it should be. And so then we, then we think, like, here's the way that I'm going to make it right. Here's the way that I'm going to feel like life is okay and like I'm okay in life and like I'm validated. And so uh, many of us, if not most of us, take on these causes. And we, and we say, this is the thing that's going to be uh, central in my life. This is the thing that's, that's going to be the thing for me. And the, the scriptures actually speak to this. They actually speak to this. In the book of Isaiah, uh, it, it's, it begins to talk about this idea of what we call shalom. It's, it's, it's the word for peace in the Bible. It's shalom. It's, and it's this idea that all things will be made right. In fact, Cornelius Platinga says in one of his books, he says, In the Bible, shalom means universal flourishing, wholeness, and delight. And what, and what that is, is this, is that every single one of us, at the very root of who we are, desires this universal wholeness. And depending on what political party you're a part of or what class of people you're a part of, many of us believe, like, this is going to be the thing that brings about wholeness, that's going to bring about human flourishing, that's going to bring about universal delight. It's going to bring those things into my life. And so we go after those things and after those things. But little do we realize and do we know that those very things are the things that bring about the separation between us. They bring about the disunity in our life. They bring about these things. In 1 Corinthians, we're in, we're in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, if you'll turn there with me. Um, we're in a series right now, and I've, I've said this for a couple of weeks now, but I want to encourage you, even if today is your first week, uh, many people begin to, to try out church um, at least at two different times, probably three, uh, three different times, uh, the fall. Uh, the first of the year, and Easter. Those are three different times that we see an influx of people. But what I want to encourage you to do is that the reason that you came today, the reason that you, that you decided to show up to church today is the same reason why you should stay consistently. And so what we want to encourage you to do is to take eight weeks and say, I'm going to go. I'm going to go to church. Church doesn't save you, but church leads you uh, to the person who does save you, and that is Jesus Christ. So I want to encourage you to come for eight weeks at, at least. This series will go a little bit longer, but I, I want to encourage you to start a new habit in your life and begin right there. So the Apostle Paul, he's talking to this church. He's talking to this group of people that he helped uh, start a church with. And so this church has been going on for a while, and it's in a major city. 
And so there's lots of different people in, in this church and lots of different cultures and things like that. And so the Apostle Paul, he's writing a letter to them, and he begins to say, like, I'm so thankful for what God has done in your life, and I'm so thankful that God is going to sustain you to the end um, because he's the one who's faithful. And then once he, sa- he basically says, once I- he gets done with that, and he says, but, but here's the thing. Here's what's going on. Here's what, what's happening, and here's what I need to talk to you about. And so it's kind of a dis- disciplinary letter, and he's saying to these people, he's saying, there's some problems in the midst of your culture in this church, but I want to tell you this up front, that it deals with all of life. This isn't just church isolated. It deals with all parts of our lives. And so what the Apostle Paul says, he says in verse 10, he says, I appeal to you, brothers, by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that all of you agree and that there be no divisions among you, but that you be united in the same mind and the same judgment. For it has been reported to me by Chloe's people that there is quarreling among you, my brothers. What I mean is that each one of you says, I follow Paul, or I follow Apollos, or I follow Cephas, which is another name for Peter, the Apostle Peter, or I follow Christ. Is Christ divided? Was Paul crucified for you? Or were you baptized in the name of Paul? I thank God that I baptized none of you except Crispus and Gaius, so that no one may say that you were baptized in my name. I did baptize also the household of Stephanas. Uh, beyond that, I do not know whether I baptized anyone else. For Christ did not send me to baptize, but to preach the gospel, and not with words of eloquent, eloquent wisdom, lest the cross of Christ be emptied of its power. Now what the Apostle Paul is digging into here is he's saying there's a major issue in the middle of your church. There's a major issue that's going on. And here is the theme for the entire book, or at least for the the first four chapters, many scholars say. The first, the, the main theme of this book is, I appeal to you, brothers, by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that all of you agree, and that there be no divisions among you, but that you be united in the same mind and the same judgment. What Paul is saying is he's saying, the very first thing that I want to talk to you about, the very first thing that I want to deal with, the very first thing that really matters in the midst of your gathering is this, is that you guys are not getting along. You guys are not getting along. There's, there's, there's stuff going on, and he's setting out the idea of shalom. He's setting out this idea of wholeness. He's setting out this idea of, like, this is the way that it should be. And that there should be no divisions, that you should be united in the same mind and judgment. It's like in our, our world today, it's, there are two different ways to get to the same issue. There's two different uh, courses of thought. There's two different political ideas. And many times I'm thinking to myself, like, it, wouldn't it be so nice if there was this great judge who could come in and say, this is wrong and this is right. And they could just decide and we'd all be like, All right, sounds good. (laughs) Got that one over with. But that's not uh, the way that it happens. That's the idea of shalom. That's the idea of peace. And what Paul is saying here is he's saying, but I want you to be united in the same mind. I want you to have the same mind, and I want you to be able to judge and to discern in the same way with one another. Now, that's a tall order, isn't it? 
It's a tall order because there are different personalities. There's different personality types. There's different ideas, uh, streams of thought within the church or within our life. And different people have different backgrounds. And so they're raised in this way. And so they think this way when they get older. What Paul is saying, he's saying there's a possibility. There's a reality that can take place in the midst of your life. There's a reality that could take place in the, in the midst of your work, in the midst of your family, in the midst of your church that could change things, that could bring about unity, could bring about shalom into your life so that life doesn't feel like it's chaotic and like it's falling apart. Does your life feel chaotic and like it's falling apart? Where in your life is that? What's going on in there? I want to tell you that I think Paul has some great answers for us. He tells us um, what we do. He tells us what we do, what, what our problem is here in just a second. In verse 11, he says, For it has been reported to me by Chloe's people. We don't, much, don't know much about Chloe, but Chloe, uh, it sounds like Chloe is a business person who's in Ephesus, and Paul is writing 1 Corinthians from Ephesus. And so Chloe uh, has people that are going back and forth between Corinth and Ephesus. And so Chloe comes back, or some of her people come back uh, on a business trip and say, man, that church in Corinth, Paul, that you planted is really jacked up. It's really messed up, right? And we know, like, whether you're a Christian or not a Christian, like, we know that churches are jacked up uh, a lot of times. Like, you know, we are some pretty broken people. And people who know Jesus know this, and that is that we're not a group of people that have it all figured out. We're not a group of people that understand all things. We're not a group of people that get along all of the time. What the true believers, what people who really know Jesus Christ understand is this, is that I am messed up and that I do have problems and that I do need Jesus in my life. And so that's what Paul is confronting here. He's saying, listen, you don't understand what you're doing to the community. You don't understand. He says, it's been reported to me by Chloe's people that there is quarreling among you, my brothers. And he says, what I mean is that each one of you says, I follow Paul, or I follow Apollos, or I follow Cephas, or I follow Christ. So there's four different groups that he's talking about. He's talking about Paul, who's a Roman citizen. He's talking about Apollos, who's a Greek citizen. He's talking about Peter, whose you know, other name is Cephas. He's talking about Peter, and Peter is a, is a, is a Jew um, at heart. And then there's another group of people, he says, and there's other people who say, I follow Christ. And so there's these four cliques. And I, I don't know if you remember cliques from high school um, or whether it, maybe you're in high school right now or maybe you're in college. And, and so you've got all the, uh, the different types of people who were in there. I, I remember when I was in high school, there was uh, the stoners who were also called the headbangers. Some of you were those people, I'll bet. Just, yeah. I, I can see it. There, there's stoners. There's the hicks. You can guess what group I was in. Uh, there was the, uh, the, the jocks, the guys, that, guys and gals that, you know, they did sports and whatnot. There was the, the rappers. Today we call them gangsters, but there were rappers. These were guys that would walk around school, and they had a, uh, a stopwatch around their neck. Does anybody remember this at all? They had a stopwatch around their neck. And I don't know if they were thinking they were just going to go, you know, how fast can I do this? You know, I, like I really want to find this out. But really, I think what it was that they would sit, and these are, these are all white guys, right? I, I went to Sprague High School in town here, so a lot of white people in that school. Um, not saying that's good, I'm just saying it just, it is what it is. So lots of, uh, lot, lots of rappers, and they would sit there, and I think that they would try to figure out how long they could go with some type of, you know, uh, 
rapping. So in any case, rappers, there were the goths, and these were people, they had long black coats on. They would paint their faces white, uh, maybe some eyeliner or something like that. Very elegant, very elegant look, and, and it just looked amazing. And, um, but the thing that I thought about the goths is that, that like every day, you got to put white stuff on your face. I mean, like every day, you're like powdering up, and you've got to get, you got to get ready uh, for the day. And then, and then you go, and you look it just looks like Halloween, and so that was, that was an interesting group of people. And then there was the preps, and there were preppy people, and then there was the nerds, and I'm sure there were some other subgroups within those uh, different types of people. But th- this happens in every area of life. There's different groups of people. Why is it that we're always separating into different types of people and different groups of people? And we come to this place where we're like, no, I really belong with that. Well, those are my people. Those are my people. Those are the people that I love to hang out with. Those are the people that I, I want to be a part of. And that was, is what was happening in the Apostle Paul's day, is that there were these people who were saying, I like Paul, and I like the way that Paul preaches. In fact, Paul baptized me. Paul's the one that baptized me, and so I'm, I'm a part of Paul's group. Or Apollos. Apollos would have been Greek, and so he would have been uh, uh, perhaps into philosophy. He was a really smart guy. And so people were like, man, I, I love the way that he brings about the truth of God's word, and I love the way that he teaches. I mean, I, I really prefer Apollos over Paul, and I, I love the way that he brings about, you know, that stuff. He really feeds me. He knows how to feed me. That just sounds weird, doesn't it? You know, when people say, you know, like, I, I just want to be fed here, but people say this about their chosen teacher, like that guy, he feeds me. Paul, Apollos, and then there's Cephas. There's no evidence that Peter was in Corinth, but I don't know why Paul said this, but Paul was saying that there's a group of people, it sounds like, that were like, you know, I'm with Peter. I'm with Peter, and he's a Jew, and so he knows all of the, the Jewish rites, and he knows all of the, you know, the, the Passover, and he knows all of the feasts, and he knows all of this stuff, and he knows all about circumcision, which is a weird thing to know a lot about, but he, he was just into all this stuff, and people were like, man, I'm all, about, I'm all about Peter. Like, he really teaches the Old Testament. Like, I can really get a lot from, out of Peter's teaching. And then there was this other group who just thought that they were it, and they were like, you know what? I'm not about any of these people. I'm about Christ. I, I follow Christ. We're Christ followers. And the rest of y'all are all jacked up. The rest of y'all do not know what you're doing. And what, he, what he's saying is this. He's saying there's people in this church who are using Jesus as a dividing line. And they're dividing other people, and they're, and they're saying, like, we're the true believers. I'll pray for you so you get it right someday. I'll pray that you, that you make it happen. But I, I'm, about, I'm about Christ. This is what we do. We, we separate into groups of people. We separate into groups of people. And the question is this, is why do we do this, and why do they do this in this church? It comes down to this. Every single one of us, wants shalom in life. Things are not the way that they should be. They're not the way that they should be in our church. And the thing is that the human heart constantly gravitates, constantly gravitates towards things that we'd say, like, this is going to be the thing that's going to bring about wholeness in my life. It's going to be this group of people It's going to be this type of clique. It's going to be this job. It's going to be this political party. It's going to be my rights with my firearms. It's going to be all of these things. And that is the thing that I'm behind. And that is the thing that I'm about. And I'm, that defines me. 
That, that becomes my identity. And Paul is saying that what's coming into the church and really what is happening in this group of people is that worldliness and the lack of shalom is taking place until it looks like a 2016 election cycle in the midst of this little church that just began and people are like denouncing each other and, and, and they're, they're talking about this person and their health and, like, and they're, they're talking about their finances and their, their tax records and, and whatever. And so it, it's degraded and it degrades this group of people. Now let's just stop for a second and let's just say, let's just say this. I, I had a hard time coming up to this sermon because of this. Like I don't know of any instances right now where there's people who are like infighting and someone's saying, I follow Matt, or I follow Ryan, or I follow, you know, Pastor, uh, you know, Brian. I, I don't know of any of those, but I can tell you this. It's going to happen here. It's going to take place. A friend of mine was recently telling me, he's a pastor of a church, that there's, there's this consistent issue that people keep uh, coming to him and bugging him about, and they keep talking to him. And the thing that I keep thinking in my mind is that it would have been really awesome had he taught through something. That would, have, that would have specifically dealt with the problems within his local church so that he could have dealt with those things before they took place, so that he could have dealt with those things. And so you and I, if you're a part of this church and you're a part of Outward and you're a part of these people, one of the things that you and I have got to understand is this, is that when that disunity comes into our midst, when that comes into our church and we start saying, like, man, I really like this guy, but I don't like that guy. And I really like the way that these things are done, but I don't like the way that those things are done. See, preferences begin to, see, to seep in. And the thing is, is that we begin to say, like, shalom, wholeness, is going to come to me through this person. It's going to come to me through this uh, program. It's going to come to me through these types of things. And I've got to have that. And what does it do? It creates disunity. It creates disunity. So what do, we, what do we do about that? The Apostle Paul tells us, he says, is Christ divided? Was Paul crucified for you? Were you baptized into the name of Paul? Now let, let's just take your issue or your people or your place or your thing in the church. Let's take the program that you want. Let's take, let's take uh, the type of preaching that you want. Let's take the, the, the class of people that you want to hang out with. Let's take the community group that you want to be a part of. Let's take your preferences in the midst of your marriage, in the midst of your workplace, and let's just insert that and say, uh, is Christ divided? What Paul is saying is this, is that, is that it, is Christ divided between Paul and Apollos and Cephas, and then there's actual Christ? No, Christ isn't divided. Is Christ split up? Like, if Jesus is everything to me, like, if Jesus is everything like the song we were singing earlier, it says, Alleluia, all I have is Christ. All I have is him. Jesus is my life. But here's the thing, is that you and I are willing to destroy shalom 
instead of bringing peace and bringing unity into our work or into our family or into our church or into our community group, the thing that we're bringing in is we're saying, my life is not found in Christ and in Christ alone. My life is found in whether I have this. My life is found in whether I'm a part of this group of people or whether my political uh, preferences are accomplished in the world on earth as it is in heaven, whether my ideas of things are going to take place. Is Christ divided? Is Christ divided between you and the Republican Party? The answer is a resounding no. Is Christ divided between you and the Democratic Party? The answer is a resounding no. Is Christ divided in any way? The answer is no. So as a Christian person who is to be bringing the shalom of God into our world, this is where it begins. Is Christ divided between all of these things? The answer is no. He says, was Paul crucified for you? He takes one, his own name, and he deals with himself. And think about this. The Apostle Paul is confronting people who like him. <laughs> he's, he, he's not saying, hey, thanks for being on my side, guys. We got this. Let's go get Apollos and smack him down. No, he's saying, uh, like, listen, was, was I crucified for you? Am I somebody, did I go to the cross for you? Like, had God determined before time began that I would be the one who would go to the cross for you. And essentially Paul is saying, who died for you? Where is your life found? Who, who has, has given you everything that you have? Who died for you? See, what we do is we bring about disunity why we do it is because we believe that I have another Savior. We, be, we believe this, that somehow, because things are not the way that they should be, this thing is going to be the thing that saves me. This thing is going to be the thing that brings about life in my life. Just look, look at all the possibilities of what that is. I don't feel at peace, and so I need substances to make me feel at peace. I don't feel like I have the love that I want or the intimacy that I want, and so I'll go to any length possible to get that love and that intimacy, even at a level that God tells me is wrong. I don't feel like the world is under God's control and I don't believe that his sovereignty, that he's really in control of all things. And so the thing is, I need to advocate for this particular political leader to the nth degree. Why we do it is this, is that we believe that Christ is divided. And we believe that this person or this thing or, or this substance or this act is going to be the thing that makes me whole 
again. It's going to bring about everlasting peace. It's going to bring about all of these things. And Paul says, who was crucified for you? Who was crucified for you? Who died for you? Who went to the cross? Who gave everything for you? Were you baptized into the name of Paul? So many times people can come to this point where they say, I'm a big advocate or I love this particular preacher. We can do this a lot, especially today because we have access through podcasts and TV and everything else. And we can go and we can say, like, this person really speaks to me. And it could be John MacArthur. It's okay if you don't know who these people are. They're not Christ, by the way. It's just John MacArthur. It's Matt Chandler. Or it's Matt Porter. Or it's... uh, or it's uh, some other guy who's fantastic. Like, he, he, he is it. And, and all he preaches is Christ. So we've divided ourselves, and, we, and we've essentially said, like, this person is it in my life. And that's what happens in the church. And you know what takes place? It's the church gone wild, right? It's pandemonium. It's when, it's when people look at our churches and they look at your family and they look at the way that you act in your job and they say, I want nothing to do with that. I want nothing to do with that. And, but do you understand something? That you and I have the answer? That you and I have the answer in the scriptures? Like all of this stuff, all of the political problems, every single political problem is resolved in Jesus Every single political, every problem, every issue. The Old Testament prophets are talking about it. They're looking ahead to it and they're saying, this is going to happen. There's going to be a day when peace comes. There's going to be a day when, when everything will be perfect. Okay, let me uh, read you from Isaiah chapter 11. It says this, chapter 11, verse 1. There shall come forth a shoot from the stump of Jesse. It's talking about Jesus here. This is an Old Testament prophet, and a branch from his roots shall bear fruit, and the spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him, the spirit of wisdom and understanding, the spirit of counsel and might, the spirit of knowledge and the fear of the Lord. So this, this guy, this guy Jesus, who is also God, by the way, uh, is, is coming, and he has all of God's wisdom. He has all of God's counsel and might. He has all of God's knowledge, and he fears the Lord I shall be in the fear of the Lord. And he shall not judge by what his eyes see. Why is that important? He shall not judge by what his eyes see because you and I can only judge by what we see. You can only judge by your limited purview of what's taking place in your life. A slice of life. A little bit here, a little bit there. That's the way that you judge. No, he shall not judge by what he sees or decide disputes by what his ears hear. But with righteousness he shall judge the poor and decide with equity for the meek of the earth. He shall strike the earth with the rod of his mouth and with the breath of his lips. He shall kill the wicked. Righteousness shall be the belt of his waist and faithfulness the belt of his loins. What is this saying? It's saying Jesus is coming. He's bringing about complete truth. He's not judging like you and I are judging. He's not judging the way that you think 
the way that things should happen. He isn't bringing about shalom or wholeness in our world according to what I think or the way that I think. He's something other than. He has all of God's knowledge, all of God's wisdom. He has all of God's stuff. And what he does when he judges is he brings about the truth. And the truth is that the wicked will die. The wicked will die, and he will be righteous, and he will be faithful. And now listen to the result of this. 11 verse 6 from Isaiah. The wolf shall dwell with the lamb. Just think about that. Nice tasty treat and a predator hanging out together, right? They're just hanging out. All will be made right. And the leopard shall lie down with the young goat. And the calf and the lion and the fattened calf together. And the little child shall lead them. So this little child is, is, is leading. Think about the picture that's being created here. There's this little child who's leading a, a lion and a fattened calf and, uh, and a leopard and a young goat. It's, it's quite a herd, right? I mean, the little child is, just, is like leading these things on. I mean, like if my, one of my kids was trying to lead a herd of these little, little suckers, like it would not go well, right? But when God comes in his fullness, when God comes, what he brings is perfect peace. He brings perfect unity all the way to the bottom so that the lion and the lamb shall dwell together and a little child could lead them. It's perfect unity on every level, even on the most base level. The cow and the bear shall graze, their young shall lie down together, and the lion shall eat straw like the ox. The nursing, shi- <laughs> nursing child shall play over the hole of the cobra, and the weaned child shall put his hand on the adder's den. They shall not hurt or destroy in all my holy mountain, for the earth shall be full of the knowledge of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. What you and I need is not what my judgment brings. What you and I need is not another Savior because Christ is not divided. Paul is not my Savior because he baptized me. My job is not my comfort. It is not the way that I am going to receive peace in this life. It can only completely and finally come through God himself bringing it about. And you and I have the opportunity to help bring that. So he says as an aside in verse 14, I don't remember who all I baptized. That is not against baptism, but what it's saying is this, is that the most important thing is not your baptism. It is important because Jesus commands it. The most important thing is this. What we do, why we do it, how we change. How do we change? How do we change in this life? Paul says, verse 17, for Christ did not send me to baptize, but to preach the gospel, and not with words of eloquent wisdom, lest the the cross of Christ be emptied of its power. 
Paul says this. The gospel is the only way forward. The gospel of Jesus Christ is the only way forward. The gospel, hear what I'm saying here. The gospel brings about shalom in their midst. You like this preacher, you like this preacher, you like this person, you like this program, you like this thing. Guess what? That's disunity. And the only way to bring about change is through the gospel of Jesus Christ. How? How? How does that bring about change in our lives? Remember what Paul said. Paul said, is Christ divided? Was, was I crucified for you? No, Jesus is the one who was crucified for you. Jesus is the one who brought about this change that you and I could not bring about, that we could not, we could not have made this reconciliation between us and God. And here's the thing. When you're disunified between you and God, and you say, like, I, uh, I do not see God as everything in my life. Like, Jesus is not everything to me. My political party is, my family is, my job is, all of these things are, are, are my God. So God and me are not on, on, on the same page. And so I'm trying to make you or you or you or you or you my Savior. It's like Oprah, you're my Savior, you're my Savior, you're my Savior, you're my Savior. She actually says, you get a car, you get a car, that, Right? And what that does is this. When I don't get my Savior, when my Savior doesn't do what I want, life comes apart and disunity happens. Life comes apart because now I fight. That's what's on TV right now all the time with the political parties. I'm not getting what I want. And so I'm going to fight. I'm going to find a way to tear down my opponent. That's what we do in life. You say, Donald Trump and Hillary Clinton are ridiculous and I don't like them. Guess what? They're, they are just a magnification of what you and I are when Jesus is not my life. When I believe that something else has died for me. When I believe that there's something else that is my Savior. <laughs> They're just an amplification of me. Like that's really who I am. And the way we come around that is this, is that my relationship with God has got to be right before my relationship with other people can be right. Because now, you're not saving me by what you do for me. My hope and my peace isn't found in you. And so whether you make it or whether you break it doesn't matter. Because Jesus is everything to me. Jesus is the one that went to the cross. And he went to the cross so that I didn't have to. He died a brutal death so that I could be reconciled with God. And so what happens is this, is that now I look to God and I say, God, you are my everything. And when disunity comes in my life, the thing that I have to say is I have to say this. I have to say, what about this relationship was my Savior? What about this relationship was I looking for so that it would bring about shalom in my life and so that things would be different for me and so that I would feel better and so that I would feel like I have heaven on earth? Why was I looking to that instead of Jesus? Because Jesus 
is the one who has crucified me. Jesus is the one who paid the penalty that I deserved. I'm so sinful that God had to die for me. But I'm so loved that he was glad to die for me. And you know what that brings about in my life? Deep and unending gratitude. Deep and unending gratitude that changes your life and that changes your relationships. I was standing on the, on the ladder in the pouring rain. Water was falling on me yesterday. And I was thinking about how, like, this really stinks. Like, this, this is not fun. But, like, I'm, I'm thinking, I was thinking, like, 10 years from now, my wife and I are, um, you know, talking about this experience and just going, man, that was crazy. Do you remember when we woke up on Saturday morning, it was pouring down rain, the hardwood floor was getting all wet? And do you remember, and do you remember, and do you remember all, all of the things that we got to do? Do you remember all of that stuff? As bad as it was, do you remember those things? And do you remember the trailer uh, that is like a paper-thin ceiling, and so all night, it's like, all night, like you're hearing the, the oak limbs fall on you. Do you remember that? And I was thinking to myself, like, I, I can't get over it. Like, it's, it's better than I deserve. It's more than I deserve. It's, it's gratitude for the fact that even in the midst of my horrific circumstances, as horrific as that might be, that I get to say, like, this is better than I deserve because I'm going to look back on this and I'm going to say, like, God was still good to me and I got to have this experience and it's more than he even owes me. He owes me nothing because all I've done is sin against him and all he's done is die for me. And so that means that when I go into my relationships, that my life and the things that I have don't have to be the end all. They're not bringing me shalom. My hardwood floor get wet all day, and it doesn't matter because my shalom is not found in a dry floor. My shalom is found in a good God who sends the Son of God to die for me, and I live out of that. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we have the tendencies in this room uh, to become the church in Corinth if we are not already. And Lord, uh, there's so many of us in this room that we don't even understand it. We don't, we don't realize that we bring about disunity through our conversations and the people that we, that we, that we want to, to be our Savior. So Lord, I'm asking through the power of your Spirit that you'd bring about understanding of places where we believe that we have another Savior. Lord, I pray for change that would affect us deeply as your church. Lord, that we would be people who look to you and you alone as the only one who can bring about true change in our lives. Lord, we're thankful that we have the answer to life. Lord, all of the political problems, all of the, the war-torn countries and cities and our, and our country that's being torn apart by uh, race wars and infighting, Lord, it, it seems like we're going to de destroy ourselves, but God, you are the God of peace, and one day, the lion will lay down with the lamb, and, and Lord, one day, you will wipe away every tear, and there will be no more crying, and there will be no more pain, and God, you will be our God, and we will be your people. 
and, and we will worship you and we will sing to you and we will say that you are the greatest thing ever. And so, Lord, I'm praying for a little bit of that here and now, that we'd be people who are really looking to you as our Savior to bring about shalom. Lord, would you do that in our lives? Would you do that here in our church? Lord, for those that, that have not given their lives to you, Lord, I pray that they would get out of their minds that what they need is a little bit of morality. And Lord, that you would put into their minds that they cannot be moral on their own, but that they can only be made right with you through your work on the cross. We thank you for this. It's in your name we pray. Amen.